Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome. We have breaking news from the Sharks this morning, and that was that Evander Kane has been placed on unconditional waivers with intent to terminate his contract for breach of his NHL standard player contract and for violation of the AHL COVID-19 protocols. The statement further said the club will have no further comment on the matter. So there it is, folks. I know as much as you do, so that's all I got. As we look at some other news from around the NHL, the Wilds' Kirill Kaprizov is out for their game tonight against the Caps after taking a hard hit along the boards in Thursday's game against the Bruins. Kaprizov was slow to get off the ice before he was helped down the tunnel to the locker room. Wild head coach Dean Evason did not give much in the way of a timeline beyond saying that he would not play against the Caps. And after today, the Wild don't play again till the 14th, so they do get a little bit of a break, which also gives Kaprizov time to heal. Kaprizov has been a force again for the Wild this year, 40 points in 32 games. Not making anything easier for the Wild is the fact that they are missing four players, Jared Spurgeon, Nick Bugstad, Joel Erickson Eck, and Jordan Greenway to COVID. They see Washington at five today. Willie O'Ree will be missing the ceremony the Bruins are holding to retire his number on January 18th. That's that's just terrible. The 86-year-old cites health concerns with the rising number of COVID cases around the country being a large contributing factor. The Bruins have announced a scaled-back ceremony at TD Garden to honor O'Ree, who became the first black pair in NHL history when he de- debuted against uh, or with Boston against Montreal back in January 18, 1958. The ceremony is set to take place 64 years to the day of his debut. Really unfortunate that he has to miss that, but I, you know, he's 86 years old. I completely understand it. O'Ree is going to be the 12th Bruins player to have his number retired. O'Ree was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2018 in the Builders category, citing his accomplishments off the ice that helped create new fans as the diversity ambassador of the league. He started 39 grassroots hockey programs in North America as part of the Hockey is for Everyone initiative. Trevor Daly is back playing hockey. He retired after the 2019-2020 season and had taken a role with the Penguins' front office after an almost 1,100-game career that saw him win two Stanley Cups in 2016 and 2017. But he is currently playing with the Florida Everblades of the ECHL because the team is trying to manage roster issues caused by COVID-19. The Penguins confirmed an initial report about Daly and said he did not leave his role with the Pens. Two Senators' games are the latest to be postponed, bringing the total of postponed games up to 101. That's almost double the 55 that were delayed during last year's 56-game schedule. The Sens were supposed to play Vancouver today and the Jets on the 15th, but those have been postponed due to the current restrictions on attendance in Canada, which are in place due to the surging COVID-19 caseload. And Mitchell Marner and Pierre Engvall have been placed on the COVID protocol and they will not be playing today when the Leafs take on the Avs, so not good news for Toronto. 
All right, let's take a look at the standings as we get ready for today's game with your San Jose Sharks in Philadelphia taking on the Flyers. Sharks are sixth in the Pacific, 18 wins, 16 losses, one overtime loss, 37 points, uh, slightly worse winning percentage than LA, who also has 37 points in fifth. Edmonton is fourth in third with 38 points, uh, three points ahead of the Sharks in third are Calgary, six points in front of the Sharks, Anaheim in second, and 10 points ahead of the Sharks, Vegas in first place with 47 points. So the Sharks, I mean, only three points out of third place right now in the division and only six points back of second. There's a long way for this year to go, and there's a lot of room for the Sharks to try and make a move, uh, but they're by no means out of it in any way, shape, or form. And if we look at the Western uh, Division, and if we look at the Western Wild Card standings right now, the Sharks are in fifth, 37 points, one point back of Edmonton with 38 five points back of Minnesota with 42. So again, Sharks have done a good job managing some difficult stretches of this season, but they are still very much within the hunt. When I look at this game today against the Flyers, the first thing that comes to mind is what we saw the last time the Sharks played the Flyers. They had played a relatively abysmal game against the Coyotes. The only reason I say relatively is they were able to find a way to win that game. And to me, that is, that's the most important thing. Sometimes you have to win ugly. Sometimes you have to win sloppy. Sometimes whatever it takes to win. Okay. As long as you're playing by the rules and you win, that's all I care about. They got two points in that game, and they followed it up with a really nice performance against Philadelphia, and they got a win in that game. And we have that blueprint, the defense first mentality, the quality play from the goalie, the simplified play from the team while they're out there on the ice. And then the Sharks followed that up with a Sunday performance almost a week ago in Pittsburgh that was absolutely abysmal. No doubts about it. No qualifiers that time. It was the definition of abysmal. They fall down 6-1. Yes, they did fight their way back into it, but they made life incredibly hard for themselves, and they lost by a final of 8-5 because, well, that's that's just how it goes in a game like that. You fall down 6-1, you should not be expecting to win that, nor really for us to label it anything other than abysmal. Then the game after that against Detroit on the Tuesday night, it was another bad performance. You fall down 3-0. They gave up the two shorthanded goals while on a five-minute major power play. It was like, oh, you feel the bile in my stomach rising. It made me ill to watch. I had people texting me all sorts of stuff. And you're Tomas Hurdle after the game, he comes out and says it was embarrassing. And yeah, it, it was. That was not something fun to watch. But much to the Sharks' credit, they came out and on Thursday night, they played a much better performance against Buffalo, a team they'd already beat this year, a team they knew how to beat, in my opinion, and that has parallels to today's game. But what did we see the Sharks do? They jumped out to an early lead. It was 3-0 before the first period was over. In terms of offense, that was all she wrote for the Sharks, and they were able to hold on. But listen, you get into that third period, you've only given up one goal. That's a game you win. And it took a 6-on-4 situation for Buffalo to make it a one-goal game, and I didn't have any problem with any of that. I would have liked the Sharks to have added more offense, obviously, but when I was looking at that game, I said, okay, the Sharks played their style of hockey. They simplified. It was clean. Hill was very, very good, and you needed him to be, and they were able to do what they needed to do in a more detail-oriented game than what we'd seen previously, and they got the two points. Now, can that translate to today? That is the bigger question, is that, Philadelphia is a better team than Buffalo, and I'm not trying to knock Buffalo or anything, but the Sharks are better than Buffalo. They've beaten them twice this year. Buffalo's been having a rough year. So the Sharks beat a team that they were better than. 
Now they're back in Philadelphia's house. I'm sure the Flyers are going to be looking for revenge, and the Sharks have to be able to play that same clean style of hockey if they want this to end well. And you've also got to get a good performance from Hill because while he did have a good performance his last time out, Hill has been relatively inconsistent. And Hill, again, he's very young in his NHL career. We're still watching this guy build into a goalie of the future, I hope. And if he's going to do that and fill in for James Reimer, who's apparently dealing with some maintenance-related things, then you need Hill to show up big time and be the type of player that you expect him to be. I mean, Aiden Hill, I think with his size and I think with his athleticism, he's got all the ability in the world. I think he's still working on some aspects of his game. I think he's letting in some soft goals that we've seen this year. Sometimes, you know, when they come in on his glove hand high, he doesn't seem to see it that well. And he he lets in goals. And I think that's one area he's got to be working on. And I think that's one area he needs to continue to work on. But I also know that I can almost askew all the rest of that, right? I can also, you know, ignore the the defense first mentality, ignore the the cleaner game, ignore the goalie, or not ignore it, but not prioritize it the same way because it wasn't the defense first. It wasn't the details. It was, I mean, those things are all important. I'm not trying to deny that, but the reason the Sharks won that game is because they are an entirely different team when they get out in front early. When they fall behind early, yes, they can come back from one goal deficit. You get much more than that and it's not going to go very well. And oftentimes for the San Jose, Sharks, San Jose Sharks, when they do fall behind by more than a goal, they're not going to get back into it. Yes, they have had some nice comeback wins this year. I don't deny it in the slightest, but they need to get that big early goal. They need to put themselves in that situation. They need to give themselves that ability to put themselves in the driver's seat. They're a front-running team, and they're better when they're in their lead. And I know that you could say that of a lot of le- teams in a lot of leagues, yeah, you're better with a lead. No, yeah, no S, Ted. But I do believe that for this team in particular, they play with such a different confidence when they're in the lead. They play a cleaner and aggressive game when they're in the lead. I think that sometimes when they are behind or when they are um, in a nothing nothing game, there can almost be a little bit of uh, of a, te- a tentative nature, not hesitant but tentative. And I think that that kind of gets manhandled and put in a worse position when they get behind because then instead of getting tentative, they play too open and it seems like there's a happy balance when they're in the lead where they're aggressive but smart and they find a way to build on their leads. It's like the Sharks this year and you know this is a criticism as much as it is a compliment. They win convincingly and they lose convincingly and the thing that makes it so frustrating is that they have proven that they can beat anybody. They can beat some of the really, really good teams in this league and a team like Carolina And they can also lose to a team like Seattle. Now, that is problematic for a number of reasons. A, and I think the most obvious and glaring one is that you don't want to play to the level of your competition because that has negatives as well as positives. Yeah, you might beat Carolina, but you'll lose to Seattle. So that that is relatively problematic. And I also think that, you know, they have shown the ability to get jumped by a team like Detroit. And I'm not trying to, you know take a knock at Detroit, but they are not a team that I would consider some sort of juggernaut. They are 16, 15, and three. You know, they don't have as many points as the Sharks right now. They are close, but I looked at that game as a game that the Sharks probably should have walked away with at least one point. And I was, you know, it was disheartening for them to fall behind three, nothing the way they did. And like Bob Bugner said at that point, when you fall behind three, nothing, you've not given yourself a very good chance to win that game. You spot the team, a three goal cushion, yeah, good luck. And that's that's why the Sharks did that to Buffalo the other night. You know, For the Sharks, the most important thing is for them to get out and take that lead and put themselves in a position to win the game. That is 
bar none, without question, get the early lead. You know, like I've said before, if they get the early lead, I don't mind if they give up a second goal or a goal to the opposition to make it 1-1, but I just think it does so much for their confidence when they do have the early lead. And I think that, you know, you also want to finish up this road trip 2-2. Two two. I mean, that after those first two games, it had the ability to go a little bit more, uh, you know, downward trend, and they didn't. But the too often with the Sharks this year, their ability to bounce back with a quality win after a bad loss has not lent itself to much consistency. Yeah, they'll win two in a row. They'll win three in a row. And as I am speaking, there is new news that is coming out on the San Jose Sharks. Nick Bonino, assistant coach John McClain, have both been placed in the COVID protocols. Uh, Logan Couture and Lade Peterson also remain in the COVID uh, protocols as well. So, well, that's not good because Benino is such a huge part of that identity line. This, <laughs> I couldn't even get through recording this show. It's 12.09. All right, folks. I mean, this this is hockey in 2021, right? I mean, this is just where we're at. And uh, that's just another thing for the Sharks to deal with. But hey, you know what? This brings me to another topic. This is as close as you're going to get from, from live uh, radio style for me today. The Sharks have shown the ability to step up, especially with the younger guys, especially with the Barracuda players that have been called up. I think this presents opportunity. And but Bugner talked about this earlier a couple of weeks ago, you know, and he talked about guys getting called up from the Barracuda. And, you know, last time he was on the outside looking in, but this time he's on the inside. You know, for Bugner, he gets to present this in the sense of, hey, this is opportunity for Orion Merkley or for whoever it's going to be on that Barracuda team that gets another opportunity to get get a chance. You know, maybe maybe we'll get John Leonard up and I'd really liked his game. I I, I don't know who we're going to see, but the fact of the matter is there are opportunities and it might, you know, we might see John Leonard in a letter game because I don't think he's on the taxi squad now that I'm thinking about it, but give opportunity to these young guys and get a little bit of that desperation. And the other thing that I would still like to see is the fact that, you know, the Sharks didn't have a great response the other night after Middleton earned them that five-minute major, right? I mean, they had a good response in the next game against Buffalo, but I think about that game against Detroit where they didn't go out and win it immediately for Midzi. And I think this is an opportunity where these guys can come up and play with a little bit more of that fire and desperation because, yeah, no Couture, no Benino. I don't know the status of Middleton or Carlson right now. We'll have to wait and see. Um, But, you know, you're down players and this can be an opportunity to flex and respond and play with that fire that you would like your team to otherwise have. And it's, you know, again, this is hockey in 2021. You lose guys to COVID. These are not by in any way, shape or form are the Sharks the only team to have to deal with this. I just feel like they have the ability to deal with it because this is a team that is trying to build its future as well as its present. And so if you get more opportunity for a Ryan Merkley, if you get more opportunity from a Jacob Magna, whoever it's going to be, or a Sachenko. Think about the way Sachenko stepped up the other day and had a massive, massive performance. That's exactly what you need, and that will take an effort like that for the Sharks tonight, uh, being shorthanded against this Flyers team, who, of course, is dealing with issues of their own. I mean, usually it's injuries, and you don't see them kind of go this much in terms of volume, but, you know, I, I like viewing it under the guise of opportunity. You know, that's that tends to be my paradigm. And I'm, that's not me trying to look at this through teal-tinted glasses. Because, yeah, you want Benino out there. You want Couture out there. You want your best team out there. But you also know that if you can't have their be- your best team out there, 
then what do you have here? You have the opportunity to learn more about the future of the Sharks. You have an opportunity to properly gauge these guys. And it's not just, well, thinking about their game translating from the AHL to the NHL. It's like, well, no, now we get to put them out there in the NHL in a year where the Sharks are not. I mean, listen, guys, anything is possible, but I do not think the Sharks are winning the Stanley Cup this year. And I don't think that I'm going to make anybody too angry by saying that. So to me, if you have this opportunity, and again, there's that word again, opportunity, you make the most of the opportunity. You turn a negative into a positive, and that's the idea of getting these guys looks at the NHL. Because, listen, you you get better and better as a player, but unless you're testing yourself against the best, which in this sport is the NHL, you don't know exactly how good you are. And so for these players, they have got to properly assess their game and see where they are versus the rest of the, the league and the rest of the players and the rest of the teams. And that's exactly what the Sharks are getting the opportunity to do. So that, that's that's how I view it, right? I mean, you might not agree with me. You might think it's a bad take and you might be right. I, I don't know. It's not for me to decide. That's for you to decide. But my personal opinion is such that I think you have opportunity and the Sharks with where they are in their franchise overall, you know, just the timeline, it works out well. This is still quote unquote, the reset. They're still working to develop younger and better players for the future while still trying to be in the playoff hunt, of which they are right now. Because, yes, I I agree. We all know that you get in the Stanley Cup playoffs and anything can happen. I I don't disagree in the slightest. However, I have to temper that with reality and expectations. And for the Sharks right now, my expectation for them is to get better. And if they can get better on a game-to-game basis over the course of the year, I think there's a chance they could sneak into the playoffs. And once you get in, yeah, then at that point you see what can happen. But I'm not overly worried about players and the Sharks being shorthanded other than the health of those players. Obviously, I want them to be you know, 100%. They've got families. They're humans, of course. But if you are in a negative situation, make the most of it. Evaluate these players. Say you have deficiencies A, B, and C as judged by the game in the NHL you played. We can tell you, with clarity what exactly you need to work on if you want to be an impact player in the NHL. And I love that. Again, I think that's one of the most, in terms of timing, one of the best things that can be happening for the Sharks right now because you can properly assess your talent. You can properly see where these guys are in their development. You can properly point out what they need to work on. And you give yourself more of a roadmap for the future because I I, I am 100% of the belief that teams overall year to year do not get incrementally better. I think player talent arrives and works well together. And suddenly it seems from one season, to the next they go from being kind of uh, okay to suddenly being, Whoa, look at these guys. They can play. This is a team. Now this is not a collection of prospects. This is a team. And I think that that roadmap though, to get you to that point where it all arrives simultaneously is where things get off the rails because injuries come into play and then you have an unexpected run and you've got to make decisions. And you know, the sharks they're making decisions about their future simultaneously as they're making decisions about their present. And that's a unique opportunity for the team. And I think that the map for the sharks to get to that point is going to be populated by what they're able to learn about their players in games like what's happening right now. And listen, the sharks have been through this already this year, right? I mean, that's the positive takeaway is the sharks have been through this, I know every team has been through this, but the Sharks are looking at these young players 
giving them the opportunity, telling exactly what they're fighting for, what they're playing for, and the Sharks get to make the most of it. To me, again, win-win situation. You might lose today, but the loss might help you figure out what you're doing going forward. And yes, I know you might hate my take. I 100% understand that. I totally get it. But that's how I'm looking at it. And I'm sure that's how a Ryan Merkley is looking at it. I'm sure that's how a Jacob Magna is looking at it. I'm sure that's how probably Doug Wilson is looking at this as well. And I don't have a problem with any of that. It's about making the most of any opportunity, whether it is in the guise of a team fighting for the playoffs or whether it's under the view of a team trying to develop for the future. And right now, the Sharks are trying to do both. And again, they've been presented with opportunity and I would like it if that opportunity, when presented, allows the Sharks to win like it did earlier this year when they went 3-2-1, and one, when they had many, many regulars out. This is another opportunity for them to do just that. All right, that wraps it up for the buildup. Game today starting at 4, pregame 3.30, all on the Sharks Audio Network. For the Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off.